witches. How are we? I'm very excited to chat today. We have our regular shit going on, but today I'm going to focus on the rushing skating coach, Ateri. I'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce her first name. I had to YouTube it. It's not Ateri, it's Ateri. I think since the Olympics, everyone's like, what the fuck is up with this bitch? So I did like a shallow dive on her to really expose how much of a monster she really is. But that's for later. Before, please go rate and review the podcast. I appreciate ya. So how's everyone's week? Mine's going pretty well. It's fucking freezing here in Denver. It's like like three degrees freezing. It feels like negative 15 in the mornings. It's not fun. And it's like, it's not even really snowing. Like you probably have like two inches of snow on the ground. So it's literally just cold just to be cold. But it'll be warm by the weekend again. This past weekend, we had like a little bachelorette celebration for one of my friends. It was a party of whopping four people. (laughs) Some of our friends just couldn't make it. Or they were out of town, but that's fine. I, I like small groups, so it was a really fun day. Lots of day drinking, which is the best, because then you're like in bed by a decent time. You have time to drink water. You're up the next day feeling good. Uh, we did some bar hopping, and it was like over 60 degrees this last weekend, if you can believe it. So it was really fun to like walk around. So Denver's just wild. Like I, when I was moving here, everyone's like, I hope you like the cold. No, bitch. It's warmer here than it is in Philly in the wintertime. Okay. Like, like you can walk around in like a light jacket, like every, every other weekend here in Denver. Like it's super nice. Um, what else to do? Oh, you guys know I watched the Celebrity All-Star Game because, you know, MGK was in it. Alex Toussaint was also in it, which is pretty wild when you think about it. Like, when you think about the evolution of the Celebrity All-Star Game, like, you know, at one point we had Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake, and now we have Peloton instructors. I'm not sure if that is a reflection of either how famous Peloton instructors are or how much the Celebrity All-Star Game has fallen. But I fucking love Alex Toussaint. He's personally my favorite instructor, so I was pumped to see him. And I think he won MVP. And also, I don't care what anyone says, but, like, can we just agree now that, like, Machine Gun Kelly is actually a nice human being? Like, there's so many. He was, like, mic'd the whole game and, like, I don't know. He was, like, talking to a kid and was super nice. I have never heard of one person that has actually met him in real life that said he was an asshole. Every fan... Every other person says he's like extremely nice. People just love to hate him. And you know, we need to start building up these insect. Oh my God. Eccentric. Eccentric. Why can't I say that word? Like when someone's like super eccentric. I don't know. We're going to move on from that. But we need to start building up those types of people. Because I just feel like they're, you know, in general, nice guys, okay? Like, even like Pete Davidson, covered in tattoos, dyes his hair, paints his nails, same with Machine Gun Kelly, same with Travis Barker. And like, we love, well, like, not, not, not I, but like, we as a society love to make fun of them. We love to hate them. We love, oh God, great. They're holding their girlfriend's hand again. Oh, they're giving, oh, he's giving Courtney another kiss. I mean, God forbid they are nice and like their significant other. But a lot of people on TikTok have been coming up that have known Pete Davidson or went to high school with him. And 
Every single person says he was the nicest guy ever. Even ex-girlfriends, ex-girlfriends are saying he was so fucking nice. So maybe we should just like stop making fun of them and actually make that the standard because we need to eventually get rid of this toxic masculinity. Men aren't going anywhere, especially white ones. So we might as well give the ones that deserve the attention, attention. Like we're done with Kanye West. Okay. And I know I'm on my soapbox and I know he's not a white man, but you know, it's like, we're like, oh, he's so great. Is he? He's been like abusing and harassing his ex-wife on the internet for the last month. Is he really great? Maybe Ben Affleck is a better example. Oh, we love him and J-Lo together. Do we? Do we really? Are we so pleased that she's with him? So let's, you know, look internally and think about that. I did my typical workout that I've been doing. The workout that keeps me from blacking out on Saturday nights, which is good. I have a trip to Jamaica that's coming up. I'm very excited about it. So I'm just trying to keep my workouts consistent. Helps me mentally, but like, let's be honest, the body needs it too. For anyone that's new here, I was morbidly obese as a kid. And if I don't work out practically every day, I bloat up like I'm about five months pregnant and I gain a substantial amount of weight. It's ridiculous. And it's not something I would wish on my worst enemy. (laughs) My metabolism was just royally fucked because of my childhood body. I used to eat raw hot dogs out of the refrigerator. My mom would go downstairs to do the laundry and I'd run to the refrigerator. I'd open the pack of hot dogs and I would shove like two raw hot dogs in my mouth. Like I'm not even shitting you. I loved raw hot dogs. So I was like consuming like probably like a cool couple hundred calories within like 30 seconds and my mom didn't even know. But she knows I like to fully blame her for for my obesity because she just kept feeding me. She likes to blame it on my grandparents. <laughs> but I would eat so much that I would vomit sometimes. I I mean fast food galore. I mean, so fucking good. I don't, and I don't even blame them. My mom like just doesn't gain weight and she likes shitty food. So, I mean, if I didn't gain weight, I'd probably be in the Burger King drive-thru daily. Honestly, I'd probably be the perfect case study on how obesity in childhood like affects your metabolism as an adult because no one else in my family is like this. So that is what I attribute every one of my problems to. So yeah, I just need to keep active, but I try not to weigh myself. Um, I weigh myself like maybe once a month and I really stopped weighing myself because I just found that like my weight wasn't changing even if I work out every day. So I was just trying to go like how I felt and I typically just really go with like how my clothes are fitting. So I tried on some bathing suits for my upcoming trip and you know, I didn't hate it. I was pretty pleased. Uh, There's some bathing suits I haven't worn in like two summers because they're just like too tight and a little small and they fit. So that was exciting. Um, And then so that prompted me to just get on the scale and I did lose some weight. So what do you know? It's working. I also fast dinner almost every day. So I'm sure I'm sure that helps, you know, just skipping an entire meal. Um, but you know, some people thrive with a bunch of small meals a day. I can't eat that much. I need less meals. I eat a lot during the day. Like I have a big breakfast, I have snacks, and then I have a pretty big lunch. I eat something at 4 p.m. So lately that's just been like a smoothie. 
And then I don't eat until breakfast the next day. And personally, like if it works for you, I am kind of like a firm believer in that our stomachs like have to be empty sometimes. I just don't think it's good to constantly be full or constantly be digesting food, constantly having like your insulin levels up and down, but everyone's completely different. I know a lot of people like need food in their stomachs or else like they have really bad acid reflux or something and stomach aches. But this is also where I should say that I am not a licensed dietitian or nutritionist. So do not take any advice that I'm giving you. (laughs) This is, that's just what works for me. Okay. I used to fast breakfast. I know everyone hates when people talk about their intermittent fasting, but I used to fast breakfast because I'm a breakfast eater. So I was like, okay, well, if I cut out breakfast, like that actually might help because that's like the one meal I love. But then that just got too easy. I think like it's kind of harder to fast dinner and I saw a way better, uh, like, uh, what am I looking for? Results. That's the word. Results with that. I also got a COVID test, just like a preemptive one for the upcoming trip. And I haven't had one where they stick the thing up your nose for you in a long time. And this bitch stuck it up my nose. I audibly went, woo, in the office after she did it, like audibly made a sound because of how far up there. And it was the weirdest sensation I've ever felt in my life. And then I went with my friend, she got one too. And like, she has gotten like a way more COVID tests than I over these last two years. And even she was like, that was insane. Like this bitch, I think she hit something because my right nostril really hasn't been the same since. It's been fucked up for the last few days, but whatever. I'm just really excited. I'm really excited to get the fuck out of here. The other thing that was exciting is I posted a TikTok. I'm trying to like do that thing where everyone's saying, okay, if you post like an eight second TikTok, that's like what will go viral. It's like, I don't know, like TikTok fucks with the algorithm all the time. So I just put up a really short TikTok. It was a picture of Julia Fox that was just posted that day on like the Daily Mail in these really low rise pants. And all I said was, if there's one thing we need to get on Julia Fox's cases for, it's not Kanye West, it's low rise pants and she must be stopped. And it was a joke, right? I mean, would you take that seriously? And it surely wasn't really a jab at her. It was a jab at the low rise pant. And people missed it completely. It definitely got on the wrong side of TikTok. I think probably because I hashtag Julia Fox and Kanye West. So I got some fucking freaks commenting on it. But literally people were like, um, baby girl, you should look at the runway. They've been in style. And then I had some fat shamers. Just because you can't fit in them doesn't mean they aren't cute. Some people like, she looks great in anything. I cannot believe you're coming at her. Oh, you were a mean girl in high school, weren't you? You're so mean. I mean, and then I would comment on on a few of them because I just could not believe the responses I'm getting. I mean, it has like 50,000 views. I could not believe their response because I was like, this is, I mean, this is obvious, right? Like, this is a joke. I mean, we talked about Bella Hadid a few months ago wearing low rise pants and everyone gave the same joke. Honestly, I'm a la Hannah Burner stealing people's jokes here. It's been done before. So because it was done before, I thought surely people will recognize this joke. Nope. So I had to say, you know, I would respond to some people and be like, you do realize this was a fucking joke, right? And then people, some people would respond back feeling dumb and be like, 
well, yeah, but like, I just feel, I just don't get why people keep picking on her. And it's like, people, we're about to be in a fucking World War III, although I don't know if we are. I don't understand this Russian-Ukraine situation. I'm now on like Russian-Ukraine war TikTok that is basically like war for dummies trying to explain it to me. Um, so I'm actually not sure if if there's going to be how big this situation is going to be. Um, that's for like another podcast that you guys should probably listen to, not this one. But anyway, shit's going down is what I meant. Shit is going down in the world and you guys all need to relax, okay? Fucking relax and recognize a joke when you hear one, people. But what's on the show? So we have some typical pop culture news, but really going to focus on that bitch skating coach. For shows, we're going to talk about The Real Housewives of New Jersey, Euphoria, and The Secrets of Playboy, and then the witchy shit. All right, so everyone's talking about this fat burger scandal. So we all remember our beloved Kim Richards, her daughter Brooke, um, I guess is married to the fat burger's son. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Let me just read it. This is from Reality Blurb. So the home of Kim Richards' oldest daughter, Brooke, was raided in December amid a federal investigation into potential fraud, money laundering, and tax evasion committed by her father-in-law, Andrew Whiterhorn. That's how you spell it. The CEO of Fat Brands, which owns a chain restaurants including Fat Burger and Johnny Rockets. I kind of wish I could have tried a Fat Burger before, like, Kim, or... Kyle was obsessed with them. They were always at her fucking parties with that like really large, overly worked party planner that was like always like on the verge of passing out. Um, According to a series of court documents, including a search warrant and a November 2021 affidavit, the 36 year old who was married to Andrew's son, Taylor or Thaler, I don't know what that fucking name is, an executive at Fat Brands has found herself in the midst of legal scandal. And then in a February 19th report, it was revealed that FBI agents took phones, tax documents, storage devices, and any other items from Brooke's home, which she shares with Thaler. I should know this. Is it Taylor just with a TH or Thaler? Who knows? I need to move on. Um, let's see. I guess it says Brooke was not named in the court documents, which is good. And while feds also hope to search Andrew's Beverly Hills mansion, it's unclear if they ever did. Um, Andrew, the CEO, devised and executed a fraudulent scheme to avoid paying his taxes and had received millions of dollars in sham loans through his companies. It was also noted that Andrew, his children, and other relatives made credit card purchases from accounts held by a fat brand's affiliate including a $183,000 payment to London Jeweler and an alleged $150,000 down payment for a Rolls Royce. Now, here's the thing. I mean, this sucks. I mean, you just think you're, you're set, you're married to, you married into a really wealthy family, you have kids, you're minding your own fucking business, and it's a fucking burger joint. I mean, could there, I mean, I guess that should have been a clue. I don't know how many fat burgers or Johnny Rockets there are, but maybe that should have been the clue. Like this isn't McDonald's. Um, 
But like, like I said, yeah, like this sucks, but can they like, don't like all rich people like avoid taxes? Like that's what I'm kind of confused about here. And it looks like Brooke deleted her Instagram. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's it. I did see a good take from Giorgio, my guest from last week. I saw on his TikTok, like he made a good point that like there are rumors that like Kim might be asked back or at least like maybe be a friend of the star. And it's just like, well, of course this had to happen. You know, like she could have been back. She could have like started like helping herself again, like getting herself some money, having a job. And now this is happening. It's like, he he said he made a good point saying like she almost just like never has her own ship but we'll see maybe maybe we'll see kim richards and maybe this will be a storyline i'm gonna talk about kanye west again i don't like talking about kanye west but i just feel like i fucking have to so donda 2 is coming out um which people were kind of pissed because he they're like he's not focusing on his album like he's way too worried about pete davidson but like and then he released all of this. I mean, did his album come actually? Yeah, I guess it did come out yesterday. 2-22-22. But like all the things I heard today during like the listening party were like modern like lyrics. Like, I don't know, like let me see my kids. Like he must have switched up some songs last minute, let me tell you. So basically he's going with a new technique for this release. He doesn't seem to care about charting or streams. He's limiting his listenership to one device that can only be purchased from him, and it's a stem player for $230. He began selling this thing last fall, but now it will be the exclusive platform for listening to his album. $230. Now, I don't understand how this thing works, but let's see here. So it says... His point is that artists make 12% of what the industry makes, and it's time to free music from this oppressive system. And basically with this stem player, you can customize any song and break it into different stems. I don't want to do that. I am not a DJ. Okay, I'm I'm not musically inclined. Is that the correct term? I don't know. I don't want to be fucking with the songs that I'm listening to. I just want to listen to the songs. I don't need to press some buttons and play around with your shit. And can you listen to this in the car? Like, I'm confused how you get the music from the stem player into anything else. Can I put it on my computer? Can I put it on my phone? Can I plug it into my CarPlay? Is like, I have no idea. Can someone help me with this? Because what are you doing with this fucking stem player? Can you? like get other music on the stem player or is it just on to two it's all very confusing or do you get the stem player and that like comes with like a fucking like promo code and then you go on like donda com, put in the promo code and then like get it like i i just don't know it doesn't make any sense to me it seems like we're back to like the ipod nano you know like are we going backwards here it's not a Sonos. Who wants it? So I don't know. Then he had the listening event where he had a fit through a microphone because the sound was off. He talked about Kim. Honestly, like it was kind of weird. It was like some of his lyrics were like, your security can't hold me back. No, sir. No security can hold me back. Like kind of scary. And like, I'm not trying to be dramatic. Like 
Imagine if you were connected to him. Like imagine if you were Kim and I'm not saying Kim is like innocent and all this. Imagine if that was your ex-husband and he's saying, oh, your security can't hold me back. I would be terrified, fucking terrified. Like it's not like funny and it doesn't sound great. I know I just don't like Kanye, but guess what? Donda 2 sounds a lot like Donda 1, okay? And I will go to my grave saying that anyone who says they actually enjoy the album just truly has to be lying to themselves. I try to be open-minded with shit like this, but I just I just can't ever imagine myself in a world where I'm just vibing to Donda or Donda 2. Okay, so there's this TikToker, Taylor Holder. He's famous. He has 20 million followers. I actually wasn't that familiar with him. Um, but I do think the TikTok world is fascinating. I said it a bunch on the podcast. I was definitely really into like the YouTube world and the YouTube influencer world, mostly on the beauty side. So I kind of get like the, oh, these people have millions and millions of followers or YouTube subscribers. And then there's a controversy and a falling out and they lose all their followers. And like, so I kind of see it's like the same, which is why I kind of like talking about it when I can. So basically Taylor Holder is a TikToker with 20 million followers who's all who whose influencer friends mass unfollowed him. This is from insider.com. Um he's 24 and he's the 159th most followed user on the app. That's like pretty insane. Um I'm just going to go over like who he is, you know. So he began getting popular in 2019. He was one of those people who just make lip sync TikToks. I mean and often shirtless. This is like, for people that don't want to get on TikTok, that's like not, I haven't seen one video like that, which is why I don't know who he is. So it's not like that's all of TikTok, but I'm going to say it's pretty frustrating when like you're putting out content or other people are putting out good content and this motherfucker just takes his shirt off, lip syncs. I'm not even kidding. Like Charlie D'Amelio now, like her videos are like five seconds long and it's her just looking at the camera and it gets like 10 million likes. It's fucking stupid. But He said, quote, some people just follow me because I'm, quote, unquote, the hot guy. That's what they follow me for. Okay, that's enough. Um, Let's see. His popularity led him to become part of a TikTok content. Oh, he's in Hype House. Was he on the documentary? I'm just a fucking idiot. I'll have to. I probably am just an idiot, but he was in Hype House, which a lot of people are like Charlie was in Hype House in May 2020. And then he left five months later. Um, He then moved into the Thriller Compound, another content collective owned by a TikTok competitor. Hold on a second. Let me see. He wanted a music career a la Huddy, which, by the way, I guess little Huddy just wants to be called Huddy now. But I call him Huddy anyway. I was like, I had the game. So I guess Holder faced controversy in the past for selling face masks and over his feud with a rapper ddg so in march of 2020 during the early days of COVID 19 insider reported that holder was criticized by fellow creators for selling non-medical grade face masks for 25 dollars keemstar he sucks but keemstar internet news commentator tweeted bro you scumbag for that and you know it okay then the rapper DDG accused him of saying the N-word. Um, and then in late January, um, internet commenter Def Noodles reported that more than 40 high-profile pro- high TikTokers unfollowed Holder, including his ex-girlfriend Charlie Jordan and TikTok stars Lauren Gray and Bryce Hall. 
So he was then on February 2nd, I saw this on TikTok. He was on the BFS podcast with Dave Portnoy and Josh Richards. Josh Richards was also, it's like a famous TikToker. Like that's how he got famous first. And he acknowledged a number of creators had unfollowed him, but gave no further details, leading Portnoy to say he was told there was sexual misconduct allegations. Yikes. Holder responded, if it's something to that extent and that's serious, I've dealt with people who went through stuff like that and it's something that I don't take lightly. Okay. He added, I don't know why everyone runs to the internet. I think that it should definitely be something that's handled legally offline. So that's like kind of it. It seems like this weird big like mystery that no one really knows what's going on, but a sexual misconduct allegation is pretty serious but i'm telling you those tiktokers are fucking wild it's going to be a strange strange world like are these like the equivalent to like the child stars you know like i don't know because it's like a lot of them are really really young and it's like what's going to happen to them in a few years okay did you know cheryl burke and matt lawrence were married because i did not but they are now getting divorced and i just had to say that because i'm shook and i love the lawrence brothers i loved brotherly love it was one of my favorite shows and they were all hot and matt's still hot so joe judice just launched a website where he's going to try and help coach people that are basically like felons (laughs) he said i am joe judice a convicted felon that has been through our justice system and able to provide perspective guidance and support to those facing the same experience the things i went through were tough. The highs, the lows, the life-changing decisions, the misconceived notions of what I was told to expect. Throughout my time leading up to my incarceration, and especially during my time inside, I had the opportunity to reflect and gain perspective on what I experienced. Um, I want to help to provide perspective, guidance, and insight on what you are about to go through. Like, what? Joe Judice is going to try to help and coach people about to go through the justice system? He's going to try and help people make informed decisions about their legal team, incarceration, and ICE. Very interesting. Would he be my first choice in terms of guidance? No. And finally, John, the frequent guest on the show, sent me a link the other day because he started sending me these weird TikToks where women um, were acting like dogs, and it was kind of alarming. But he sent me this article from Vice. That's called Puppy Girls, the women with a fetish for acting like cute dogs. And I was like, fuck, this is really disturbing. And then the next line is, Puppy Girl Jenna earns $10,000 a month on OnlyFans, making videos of herself playing fetch, begging for food, and being taken on nice long walkies. I mean, tempting. Fucking tempting. Does it sound degrading? Absolutely. But $10,000 a month? I mean, Christ, just to kind of sit in like maybe like a dog cage for 15 minutes, record it and post it on OnlyFans. The scariest thing about that is obviously the people watching, but there truly is a hat for every head. Okay, but this is why we are really here to learn about this scumbag Russian ice skating coach, a Terry, his last name, Tuberitz, Tuberitzi, Tuberitzi. I'm just going to call her a Terry. Um, Eteri. Yeah, I think it's Eteri. And I'm just going to preface that I'm going to butcher a lot of these names. It's not, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm just a dumbass. And I 
cannot pronounce things correctly a lot of the time. So apologies if there's any Russian listeners. I am sorry. (laughs) So we all have been watching the Olympics. We all saw the controversy. The Russian skater Camila tested positive for an illegal substance. And then all eyes were on the coach, Ateri. Eteri, I think. <laughs> so basically, this skater was insane. Doing quads, hands above the head. Very difficult. Definitely going to win. Already won one gold. And then this shit came out. She tested positive in December. Now, I know there's some, contra- like, not controversy, but questions around, like, why wasn't this revealed earlier? I don't know. We're not here to question that. It happened, okay? So she's this coach has produced some of like the top skaters in the world but they all have something in common and that is a short fucking career they either retire really young or have just like career ending injuries and when we talk about young it's like 14 15 16 17 when most people can go late into their 20s ice skating so before we get into the deets of her shit that she's doing now i wanted to dive into her life a little bit so she was born in 1974 in moscow she's the youngest of five children i would love to talk to her fucking siblings the youngest of five hmm. she her parents her mom was a senior engineer which is pretty legit and her dad was a taxi driver and she began ice skating at the age of four she was coached by edward pliner i he was like linked. I just didn't look into him. So I don't know if he's like, I'm sure he's somebody, but she skated her most of her like young life. But after sustaining a spinal fracture and growing about five to eight inches, she switched from singles to just ice dancing. So basically she just was too tall to ice skate. And I think we're going to see a correlation with that and her tactics later on in life. So she switched basically from coach to coach for much of her skating career. She toured with the ice capades for several years. And then she studied at the Academy of Physical Education in Malakov- Malakovka, Malakovka, oh my God, and received a degree in choreography from the Institute of Contemporary Art. So she did live in the U.S. for six years. She traveled from Oklahoma City to Cincinnati to Los Angeles to San Antonio. And she said she like really struggled. Um, she would go to like a Baptist church services because at the end they would hand out like free food. So it definitely, she said it was her and like a handful of other Russian immigrants and things weren't as easy or as fun as they thought they would be. She was even living in the YMCA during the Oklahoma City bombing. And she is actually tagged as a survivor of that bonding because bombing because she was so close to it. And that was in 1995. So she got $1,200 from that, which doesn't seem like a lot. I mean, you survived a fucking bombing and you get $1,200. bucks. i would be hoping for more. But anyway, she took that money, bought a really shitty car, and that's when she drove to Texas. And she began her coaching career in San Antonio, Texas. So kind of crazy, right? Like she, she was kind of like this nomad, they said. Like she was just hopping around all over the place. Like she wasn't that like amazing of a skater in russia she was just kind of like desperate like trying to figure out what to do she did in like time marry her husband who was also a figure skating coach and have a daughter diana who was born in 2003 in las vegas so she stayed in the states for a pretty long time diana was 
she did skate and she was coached by her mother until 2016 when at the insistence of her mother, she opted for ice dance. So basically she was probably like, you're either too fat, too tall, or too old to ice skate. So you're just going to dance. So after returning to Russia, she coached at several Moscow rinks, but recently coached Olympians out of what has become a notable rink in Moscow called Sambo 70. Um, The last seven Russian national champions have trained out of there and none of them had long careers. So her athletes are known as the one and done Olympians. That's coined by many in the skating community. In 2014, she coached 15-year-old Julia Lipnitz. Hold on. I should have like looked at these before I started. Lipnitskaya. She's really popular either way. She's known as the girl in the red coat. I'm just going to call her Julia. <laughs> it's probably, it's probably like Julia or some shit. In 2018, she coached 18-year-old Evangenia, okay, who took silver behind a 15-year-old Alina. Alina stepped away in 2019 at the age of 17, and Evangenia, oh my god, sorry guys, this is not good, Evangenia finished second that year because she had a cracked bone in her foot, but she still competed. Julia retired at 19, saying, and this was like the the it girl, saying she suffered an eating disorder because of um, the coach, and uh ever since hasn't been drawn to the ice. I'm pretty sure she also suffered like a spinal injury. So she really doesn't ice skate at all anymore because of Terry. So basically every year a new younger Terry girl emerges while others retire at such young ages. Some even retire as young as 14 and they call it the Terry expiration date. Like fans call it that because it's so notable that they know she won't have athletes for a long time. And like, we'll talk about this later, but like this has clearly been going on for a really long time. And like to the point where it has a nickname and no one thought to like, Hey, this is probably unethical. So it's not normal. So Michelle Kwan, she won five world championships and medals before retiring in her mid twenties. And many skaters retire in their mid or late twenties. Like you can physically keep skating. Um, Terry also works with controversial sports doctor Philip Shvetsky, who was barred from the Russian rowing team in 2007 after a doping investigation. What do you know? So the Russia Beyond, I'm assuming that's like a newspaper or something, reported that she galvanizes success from her skaters by pitting them against each other. And I think we saw that at the medal ceremony this year. So Trusova, the silver medalist, became emotional. Emotional is a fucking understatement. She became completely unhinged screaming and this whole time i was watching it i was like oh my god is she that upset that um the the one girl like that was in the controversy didn't like meddle like i'm so confused no she was pissed she didn't win gold and that her teammate did she said quote everyone has a medal and i don't and then they asked will you skate again she said we'll see she almost didn't go out on the podium to even collect her medal because she was so fucking pissed she didn't win gold and her teammate did now typically in the olympics it, there's like camaraderie like holy shit like you you won gold i won silver that's amazing like we're a team this girl was so mad so i can definitely see that because i was like very shocked by that reaction and i think a lot of people were um skaters also aren't able to drink water during competitions so if they get thirsty they'd have to they can put water in their mouth swish it around but they have to spit it out 
Um, she tries to delay puberty by having her skaters only eat powdered nutrients. And they have uh, sometimes take Lupron, which is a puberty blocker known to induce menopause. So that kind of goes into like, she doesn't want them to grow. She doesn't want them to get any bigger. They have to stay as light as possible. They can't have water weight. She doesn't want them to go through puberty. Um, and I think, again, that's like when she was younger, it's like she was already like taking note like, oh, I had to stop skating because I got too tall. Like it got too hard. So now she keeps her skaters from growing. So fucked. So over the last eight years, women's figure skating has been completely dominated by these prepubescent Russian girls that Eteri coaches. They do daily public weigh-ins. Their weight cannot fluctuate by more than half a pound. And I'm pretty sure she like writes, I heard that she like writes them on a wall too. So it's like very embarrassing. They restrict eating so they are light enough to hit the quads. And that's the thing. Everyone just kept saying, how, are, how can they do these quads? How can they, do, like, how is their Russian team the only team that can do these quads? And, I mean, I think they're all probably taking a little something, if I'm being honest. But it's because she works them so hard and they're really light. So I guess, like, obviously, if you're heavier or old, like, you, can, you can't physically do the quad. Like, you'd have to be immensely strong but it's like she doesn't want these girls to be too strong because then they'll probably get too heavy or bulky so they just don't eat so they don't eat they have 12 hour practice days she has been noted to practice verbal and physical abuse to her skaters a skater polina said that she was once put in a trash can with the lid closed because she was performed she performed poorly during training and she, the coach said, garbage goes in the garbage. I mean, what? Also, like, yes, the coach is at fault here, but like, imagine telling your parents that and your parents sending you back to that same person. I don't know. Maybe they didn't tell their parents. I don't know. But like, that's terrible. She said she had to stay in the garbage can throughout the entire practice. And it was like hours long. She also said she would um, compete and skate with broken toes and her toes would be blue and all broken and swollen she couldn't even wear a sneaker but she was forced to keep skating on them so obviously you'd have to compete while injured and to do that she would have them huff smelling salts which i've never done that kyle has smelling salts sometimes that he huffs at the gym (laughs) but i see those videos we've all seen those videos of people huffing the salts and it's like it knocks you out and she has like 15 year olds like huffing salt, getting like a boost of adrenaline and going out and skating on broken toes. So, oh, and they said the skaters are known to just like collapse afterwards. Like sometimes like they'll compete in like knee braces and then just collapse in pain afterwards. So like I said, she's known for these quads. Um, and so by doing all the above, she forces her skaters to do these quads, which also adds to the early retirement. Skaters say the body just can't last doing this physical like exertion. After winning the Olympic gold, skater Zagatova explained that at, at the age of 17, the quads became too dangerous for her to do. She would have to lose a really large chunk of weight to be able to even do that. So at 17, and I feel like with this coach, like if you can't do a quad, like you can't fucking skate with her. Um, so she ended up retiring a month later, and this was a, a gold medal Olympian. Atari abuse, her abuse was like an open secret. Everyone knew about it and which is bizarre. And then she won 
coach of the year in 2020. In 2020, I mean, all of this shit I just said was happening before that, and everyone knew about it, and she still won coach of the year. So that's pretty fucking gross. Um, so a lot of people are to blame for that. So then we get to the current conspiracy. So we have Camila. She's a healthy child, no heart conditions, and yet tested positive for these like heart medications. And the idea is that like these heart medications can just make your heart more efficient. I think it just gives you more endurance. Obviously, if your heart can pump more efficiently, you have more oxygen in your bloodstream, more oxygen to your muscles, you can just perform better. Um, now, Terry has been known to say that these medications shouldn't even be banned because they don't help the elite. They don't really add an advantage if you're already strong and athletic. They give you an advantage if you're not. I mean, that's a weird take to have. How about you just don't have any take? They're just banned. Um, oh, my God. Hold on. My notes just like skip to the top. Okay. So there is little research known into how these types of medications that Camila tested positive for can affect her long-term development. Terry is defending... Oh, that's like what I just said. So she defends meldonium, which is a substance in the world's anti-doping agency banned list and says it's harmless and does not help the highest, strongest, fastest, and only helps to recuperate heart muscles. Like, just, I, like I said, just like don't have a take, you know? Um, so the controversy also comes into, was huge because Camila was still allowed to skate and really no one knows why. Typically, if you test positive for something, you're done immediately. So everyone was really pissed because they were saying it would vindicate her abusers. Like, okay, we got away with this and she was still out of skate. And if she wins a medal, like we can might get away with this. Um, and basically they had her skate and you could tell the nurse got her because she fell after every jump. I mean, this bitch didn't make one mistake in any performance she did. This one, she fell after everything. The other problem was, like, if she would have got a medal, they wouldn't have had a medal ceremony. So, basically, like, anyone else that medaled bronze or silver would be punished for this one thing. So, honestly, I was, I felt bad for her, but I was happy because I don't think the medal ceremony should have been canceled. Like, that is, that's, like, your moment. That's, like, your Olympian moment, you know? Um, But, so, she comes off crying, and the coach immediately comes up to her. You can just, I can't speak Russian, so this was all translated later, but you can just tell it's icy, you know, no pun intended. She goes, why did you let go? Why did you stop fighting? Explain to me why. You let it go after that axle. Why? Bitch, you just, you drugged her and you're yelling at her? So Terry says she was innocent and clean and she alluded to a conspiracy. The IOC president, Thomas back i'm assuming botch or back bach i don't know criticized her treatment and a terry was at a loss as to why he criticized her i can give you uh quite a few reasons maybe why he would criticize you you fucking psychopath so one thing that's interesting is in 2019 skater anastasia shabatova i can say that one a 13 year old at the time said she went on instagram live and she said if you drink a lot of dope, you can perform stably. That's all. You just need to drink the right dope. And like I said, a Terry was her coach. So they all, they all fucking know. So I guess the claim they're going with is that she accidentally drank her grandfather's water and unintentionally drank the heart medication. I'm sure. Now we're getting grandpa involved. 
I'm fucking sure. So in terms of Camila, if they can prove that her, she drank her grandfather's water, don't ask me how. I'm sure Vladimir Putin is writing up a script as we speak for Grandpa Camila to show that he takes this exact heart medication. Also, who's taking sips of their grandparents' water? Not I. Um, then she'll have a lighter sentence, but if not, the maximum sentence for her is a two-year suspension. And they're still investigating a Terry and the adults around her. Honestly, I couldn't really find anything about the investigation. Like, I just typed in the coach's name, investigation, and, like, not much came up. It was kind of, I got this shit from a bunch of articles. Um, and it was mostly just on, like, her treatment of the skaters. So, kind of alarming. Like, it's very clear these skaters are, like, being abused. Um, this is all documented. And I know we're American and they're Russian, but I would think, like, the Olympic Committee would have some say. I don't know. I don't know how it works, but it's sad. This woman's a fucking asshole. And you guys know I hate a fucking cheater. And she's a fucking cheater. All right, let's talk through some shows quick. So the first one is Real Housewives of New Jersey. This last episode, I think... Jackie is the most annoying person. I haven't liked her from season one. Now, I do like her storyline. I think it's important to talk about eating disorders, and she's been very open about it. But I think she's annoying as shit. Also, I'm not even like, like, Jennifer is like funny because she somehow let, like, you start to like her again, even though she's an asshole. But why does everyone have, like, everyone had something to say about Jennifer, like, getting drunk and, like, Jackie's always fucking bombed. Are, like, is no one going to talk about that? And like, uh, I don't know how to say this without sounding like judgmental because I'm not. But like, I'm sure it's just because she doesn't like she's not eating a ton. Um, and she's open about that. But like, she's also drinking a lot. And so she gets drunk. And I don't know. I think her reaction to Dolores was kind of weird. She was like super triggered and got in her face. And then Dolores was like, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? And then Joe Gorga was like, hey, Frank, Frank, you got to get Dolores. Got to get Dolores. <laughs> and then Frank Catania has to come get Dolores. He goes, I've known Dolores since she was 19. Or no, what do they say? Yeah, since she's, since she's 19 years old. She grew up on the streets of Patterson. She was a, she was a street fighter. And like she, she bit through girls' two fingernails. Once she gets that look in her eyes, there's no stopping her. And so he had to run over and get Dolores. <laughs> Dude, Jackie wouldn't know. Jackie's like, I'm not scared of you. I'm sure one swing, your ass is on the ground. Like, you should be scared of Dolores. Everyone should be scared of Dolores. It's always those women that are calm, like quiet, like stoic that will fucking kill you. Like, it seems like they wouldn't pop off. Oh, no, they're going to pop the fuck off. So I think it's annoying that she is in Dolores's face about Jennifer. Like, I was just trying to tell Jennifer that I just don't think you'd be a good friend to her. And it's like, bitch, who are you to say? You talk, you've been talking about her nonstop for the last two years. And now Dolores isn't a good friend. Like, it's one thing to be like, okay, I'm going to support Jennifer whatever but like don't call out 
Dolores, who's actually been like a decent friend to Jennifer over the last two seasons and you haven't, it's all very strange and very annoying. And I just don't find Jackie fun to watch. Like, I don't know. I just find her really irritating. And honestly, I think Dolores made it to my top housewife list. Like she might be number one now. She's just moved up. Fucking little Frankie. And like the dinner with Frankie and Gabby and Frank was hysterical. Loved it. The way she talks to her dog named Dog. Because, hey, dog, you want to match your gaining weight like I am? Like, just fucking love it. And then the other thing later in the episode, Louie starts to freak out. Oh, my God. Producer gets involved. So we're breaking the fourth wall at the end of the episode. Louis is like on his way and doesn't want to be on TV. It seems like he's getting pretty insecure about like people talking about him. The producer actually pulls Teresa aside and he, she's like, what's up with Louis? Like he's freaking out in the parking lot. I don't know what to do. And then Teresa freaks out, pulls off her mic and leaves. And like, here's the thing. I get it. If you don't want to be filmed, like if you're not used to it, it probably is overwhelming. Like I'd probably be having like panic attacks too, but like, Clearly, he's getting paid because he doesn't like have to be on it. Like, David was barely on it, you know? So, I feel like he probably signed some contract. He's getting some paychecks. Um, so, they're forcing him to film, but he doesn't want to. So, I feel like something's got to give. And I do feel bad because she texts Melissa and she's like, hey, this is what's going on with Louie. Can you just please do? I think Melissa sent the text. Can you do the right thing? Can you be on my side? Can you just like not talk about it? Melissa is not even done reading the text message and she's running outside telling everybody at her house what the text says. And like, I know, you know, there's drama, whatever, but like, I feel like those are the moments that Teresa's talking about. Like, can you just like be my sister for one fucking second? Like, I think she texted her in like confidence and then Melissa just goes and runs with it. Now, is it good for the show? Absolutely. But Melissa can't fucking start crying when Teresa's pissed off at her. So I don't know. Next week is going to be good. I'm actually, I am enjoying it. I love Jersey. You guys know I love Jersey. I think it's hysterical. Um, and I just, I need Jackie to just not mess with Dolores. I finally watched The Secrets of Playboy and I'm pretty sure I'm caught up. Holy shit. So I read Holly Madison's book like a year or so ago. And that definitely shine, shined. Is it shown? Shined? Oh my God. It painted a bad picture <laughs> of what the uh, Playboy Mansion was like and what Hugh Hefner was actually like. So I kind of had an idea like, okay, he's not a good person. Obviously, like, now like okay we watched girls next door maybe back then we're like oh this is like weird but they love each other you know now we know i'm sure that was fake right but the book was like wow like he treated her like shit you know definitely like abused her but this show has many playmates many girlfriends from years and years ago talking about the weird shit hefted now that he they even interview like old drivers and butlers and everyone seems to be on the same page that he was a highly inappropriate, fucked up individual. The only people that aren't, which is infuriating, but I get it. It's like a docu-series. You have to have both sides. They have some of Hef's closest friends on there. Now, these are the closest friends that would, you know, reap the benefits of his wealthy lifestyle. They would come over on Sundays and 
have pool parties or like attend the pool parties, probably do some drugs, drink a lot, maybe make out with some girls. Who knows? More, I'm sure. But then they would go home. They didn't really see what was going on behind closed doors, how he was treating these women, how other people were treating these women. So it's very interesting. I suggest you watch it. Dude, he did some fucked up shit. Like, I mean, some girls even like died. I didn't realize they would have these like Playboy clubs all around the country. And weird shit happened there that like they were never really held responsible for. Uh, His one girlfriend said she caught him like jerking off his her dog and she freaked out like he did like weird bestiality shit weird and they have a lot of clips like interviews everything so i highly suggest watching it i don't really have much more to say on it just that it's insane and i think we still like glamorize playboy and even like vintage playboy like i mean it's obviously it's iconic right like i mean you're talking about like marilyn monroe playboy but it's just, it's fucking dark. And finally, we're going to talk about Euphoria. Not really any spoilers. I just want to talk about the last episode. It was fucking amazing. Well, maybe some spoilers. I don't know. Um, fucking amazing. The play, iconic. Lexi fucking killed it. I love all the TikToks that are like, wow, the drama budget at Euphoria High is insane, which is hysterical because it's just so extra for a high school play. But I loved how they did all the flashbacks. They would go from like a flashback with the real actors to the play. Um, oh my God, like the gay scene. I need a hero going for Nate Jacobs. It's Next week's going to be bad. And then the whole Fez and Ashtray of it all has me sweating. So what's insane is I saw a TikTok too, which showed the trailer and in the trailer there's like a scene where like there's definitely fucking like police outside with like guns and late and like shit and outside of fez and ashtray's house i don't know i knew Faye was bad but it's clear that Faye is regretting her actions she's like really nervous about this guy being in the house i it's weird i don't I still can't see them killing Fez because they were supposed to kill Fez in season one, but the audience loved him so much. They like changed, they used like an alternative like ending or like left it open. I'm nervous they're going to kill Ashtray. So I always think of like the actors in real life, right? I'm nervous they're going to kill Ashtray. He's like a professional boxer, like little kid boxer. So I could see them just killing him off and it not being a big deal. But then that would also just be so incredibly sad. Um, Obviously they could kill Faye. I wouldn't care. Um, and then I'm thinking like, okay, well at the end, Cassie is literally looks like she's going to go insane. Is she going to fucking like accidentally kill her sister out of like pure rage? Like, you know, you just, you just never know like a crime of passion. There's also a lot of questions I have that I just don't think they'll have time to answer, which is kind of disappointing. I need to know where Cal is and I need to know what happened to that fucking third Jacob's son and that for for me for whatever reason is like the one thing I need to know like I need to know who that person is I don't care how any other storyline ends I want that one to end but I know that like in terms of like a show there's so many other more important ones that I just don't think they're gonna have time for it and they got picked up and I'm really pissed actually because they had plenty of time to fill film this season too I know there was COVID, which is why it took so long, but they only gave us eight episodes. Season one also only had eight episodes. 
usually the pilot season has like less like usually pilot seasons have like eight episodes or less and then the season two has like 12 uh where's the extra episodes you guys have a budget this show is popular so season three and i don't think season three is supposed to come out till 2023 and it better have more fucking episodes but to say i'm nervous for sunday night is a fucking understatement for the witchy shit okay so we know we just reached 20 or 2 22 22 which was a really powerful manifesting day fucking portal we heard it all right well the other thing that was happening is the u.s's pluto return that also happened so basically pluto It symbolizes upheaval and change, and this year we are experiencing our return, and it's an event that many suspect will signal a major change for the country. Just what we need, right? More change. So planetary returns occur when a planet in the zodiac returns to the place it was during the physical or spiritual rebirth. So a lot of times you'd hear of like everyone's like Saturn rebirth or Saturn return, and that usually happens around like your 30th birthday or like anywhere from like age 27 28 to like 30 31 um and that also signifies like a huge life change because saturn returns to where it was when you were born in your birth chart so that can happen with anything and so for the u.s that happened like this is when pluto is returning so these events are thought to mark a new chapter and story in our lives one that will set the stage for future and its karmic nature. Also, I'm getting this from an article by Refinery29. Um, you guys all know I'm not skilled enough to know this shit on my own. Uh, again, for anybody new here, I kind of like know what's going on. But then to get more in-depth information, I just like to look up different articles and stuff to provide for you guys. So Going back to like planets returns. So when a planet return, um, some planets return to a significant degree and sign faster than others. So think of like the sun who comes back to the same position in our birth charts every year. Another year around the sun. Um, Mars returns to the point and sign it was when you were born every two years. Jupiter every 13 years. Saturn every 27 to 30 years. That's what I was just talking about. And Uranus every 84 years. Wowie. So basically, planets that are farther away from the Earth take a longer time orbit to orbit into your birth degrees and signs. And far off Pluto takes 225 years or more to return to the position it was during a notable event. That's insane. So basically, this is it. Who knows where who knows where shit's gonna be in another 225 years? This means individuals never experience their own personal Pluto return. But what's getting people in the U.S. interested this year is that the Pluto return will reach 27 degrees Capricorn on February 22nd, 2022. And that's the degree and sign it was it was in during the signing of the Declaration of Independence in 1776, which many people consider the birth of the modern day United States. Astrologers are considering this the U.S.'s personal Pluto return, and because Pluto is known for shaking up current dynamics and pushing them to crumble, all to allow them to be put back together in a restorative way that aligns with the status quo, they are predicting that the country may undergo some major changes 
hopefully for the better. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, Christ, like we, like the way things are going doesn't seem like it, but I trust. I trust the universe. So just kind of going back to that lovely day of the Declaration of Independence that, you know, would be haunting us today. Who would have thought? American colonies declared their sovereignty from Great Britain, grandly stating that all men are created equal. That was a crock of shit. In reality, this sentiment applied only to upper-class people and really upper-class men of European descent who had violently stolen land rights and dignity (laughs) from indigenous people. For years, the U.S. has been forced to reckon with what July 4th really means and the ways in which the country continues to overtly and covertly oppress so many of its citizens. Hmm. This return, coming after a long period of upheaval that's seen people speaking up against the harms that have been created by racist, sexist, homophobic, transphobic, classist systems that were put into place hundreds of years ago, is being heralded as a potential cosmic wake-up call. I fucking hope so. Pluto returning to 27 degrees is notable, but the planet of transformation actually centered Capricorn, or actually entered Capricorn, a sign that signifies money, dominance, power, authority, and ambition on November 27th, 2008, and it will remain in the sign of the seagoat until 2024. So over the past 13 plus years, Pluto and Capricorn has caused many ugly truths to bubble to the surface resulting in the downfall of corporations and people in power that have refused to evolve. I mean, who? (laughs) Like, I like that list of people. Seems like they're still up there. Society can only resist transformation for so long. So Pluto is a planet of contradiction. It represents creation and destruction. It tears down things that are no longer working and replaces the outdated ways of thinking with evolutionary views. So it can also represent renewal and rebirth, changing ideology to to align with the current times, and it acts to help the world grow. And when people don't want to evolve along with it, that's when we would see societal upheavals. So this has played out time and time again since 2008, with people and systems being exposed for their dishonesties and abuses of powers individually. They used Bernie Madoff's Ponzi scheme um, as an example. And through movements such as Me Too and Black Lives Matter, the pandemic has made our calls for justice that much louder. People are demanding change. And with this Pluto return marking a new chapter or story for the U.S., astrologers like myself, not myself, the person writing this, (laughs) are predicting that this is the time the government may undergo a massive spiritual makeover. I don't usually read these word for word, but this is actually very interesting and very well explained. And hopefully, very exciting. The most notable change will be the way we do business with others and get paid. With many people working remotely, there's been an increasing emphasis on independent work, and we've never been more reliant on technology. Cryptocurrency is reshaping the way we save and make money. And while Pluto has been in Capricorn, we've already seen the beginnings of a financial metamorphosis, hopefully, one that will ultimately modify old resources into new ones that will benefit the masses without an imbalance or people in power controlling the financial strings. The paradigm is shifting. We are all beginning to see that there are many flaws in our government, too many to overlook. And while the country is still divided, we can all agree that change is something that's needed and it's coming. So pretty exciting. Again, that was by Refinery29, written by Lisa Stardust. 
Um, hopefully that means change is coming. I mean, it makes sense. It, I do feel like we've been going through so much turmoil, but it's all about like social and and like class like class upheaval, trying to like tear down like these things that were put into place. It fucking with the signing of the Declaration of Independence. Um, so please, I mean, for the love of fucking God, please make, I, I hope things are, will change for the better. Um, so last thing I'm going to read is how Pluto return will affect each of the zodiac signs. Just very quick little blurbs. Um, this is from the sun. So for Aries, um, we're going to be experiencing, um, changes and changes in public so it could entail a change in values or aesthetics relating to your career and our in general like social status um and if you're struggling with work relief is on the way that's me taurus um it's likely you're not quite where you want to be professionally despite your achievements you may be feeling unfulfilled and feel like something's missing um there may have likely been many obstacles thrown your way since like 2018 and it's recommended that you take a break from life by traveling somewhere new or simply just getting lost in a book. Help yourself refocus and get ready to propel forward to where you want to be. Gemini, uh, kind of similar to Taurus, you might not feel happy with where you are in your current career, so much so that you may be on the verge of a change. Cancer, um, as one of the most business savvy signs of the Zodiac, you've seized every opportunity with grace and poise and have gained confidence in standing up to the opponents. So now's a good time to work with a business partner on joint investments. It's a fruitful time for mixing business with pleasure. Leo. So Leos have been working to balance their personal lives and business lives, and you're finally seeing your hustle pay off. Another major theme for Leo has been learning how to check your ego and pride at the door. And in some cases, submitting personal agency just to make ends meet. Virgo, professional obligations may be affecting your work-life balance. As Pluto returns, you should make sure you're not negatively, like one isn't negatively, negatively affecting the other. Don't let work affect social life. Don't let social life affect work. Mixing business with pleasure can have its payoffs, but just remember to check in with yourself and make sure it's not impeding your health. Libra. Uh, kind of like Virgos, be mindful of your work-life balance. It's also an appropriate time to recall your trials and triumphs and reflect on how you've grown since then. Scorpio, um, Scorpio has endured a complete overhaul to their personal environments, which have forever changed how they process they process information. Ask yourself what needs to change in your personal environment that could boost your productivity or enjoyment in life and work. Sagittarius. It's all about personal finances and job security for you. So consider how far you've come in terms of learning how to negotiate on your own behalf and get ready to do it again because this is a wonderful time to ask for a raise. Capricorn, um, you may feel uncharacteristically impulsive during this return and you might question everything that has brought them to or brought you to your current professional status. So don't be too hard on yourselves. It's not... They're not failures. It's just not where you want to be at the time. Aquarius, you may be feeling uncertain about your current job or professional decisions that have led you to where you are, but something happened in the past two years to restore your strength and vitality, and you're finally breaking free. And then finally, Pisces. Pisces have gone through a revelation about their relationships with their coworkers. So now might be the best time to start a business with a trusted friend or coworker. And while all star signs have an 
an, an identifiable set of characteristics some traits evolve at certain times of the year. Um, so that's it. So let's see how Pluto return affects you. And let's all fucking manifest that the U.S. will get their fucking shit together. Now it's time for Witch of the Week. Wow. The witch this week is our beloved Maddie, a.k.a. Alexa Demi. (laughs) That's her real name. Really not much to say here, if I'm being honest. I just fucking love her. I think she does such a good job with her character. I think she's a badass. I think she's funny. Her style is insane, and I'm obsessed with it. And I just think she does such a good job on the show. And that's really it. I'm just keeping it simple today. I just wanted to honor her for what she does and what she brings me every week. So thank you, Alexa. Okay, guys, that's it. Thank you so much for listening. As usual, please go to Apple and Spotify and rate, follow, and review the podcast. I really, 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 really appreciate it. Go to realitywitch.com. That's where you'll find all my socials and my episodes. And I will talk to you guys next week. Love you. Bye.